one of those things that's really interesting and, and really neat when you can have those sorts of notes saved and you go back and you look over the notes and you're like, man, like how, where the Lord has gone in, in the last 10 and a half years and where he's taken us and where he's taken this church. Um, and and that's, that's the thing that struck me as I, as I looked it over and I, and I felt like the Lord put that message on my heart is that the essence of that message has not changed. And so I'm, I'm going to go back to it this morning, but it, but it is different and yet the... The, the foundation of it, if you will, is the same. And, uh, and so this morning, I want to talk about obeying the call of Jesus. And I want to read Matthew 4, 18 to 22. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. I'm um, just going to be in that one passage this morning. It'll be on the screen behind me as well. So as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus, I want to pray this morning that as we get into these verses and as we look at some of what you were doing here and Lord, as we look over the past 10 and a half years and Jesus, as I share a little bit of my heart and as the church contemplates where you're taking them, I want to pray, Jesus, that you would be made much of this morning. It really is true, Jesus, that this is your church that you are the head of the church. And Lord, we surrender our lives to you. And we want to do that increasingly, Lord. We want to surrender and submit our, our hearts to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Gotta love those, those voice activation Bibles, right? <laughs> <laughs> didn't, didn't think that sounded like me. <laughs> so, the premise of, of these verses that we read um, is that the call of Jesus is for everyone. It, yes, the call of Jesus is different for individual people, but it is specific. The call of Jesus is a very specific call. And an inherent... In following Jesus is responding and being obedient to this call. But in, in a way, this, this call of the disciples is the call that all of us at one point in our lives have to respond to. It is, it is that call where Jesus says, it's the invitation of, will you follow me? Come and follow me. And there's this decision in our lives that has to be made. Now, in that too, as our lives go on and, and, and we're following Jesus, he's leading, right? He's, he's guiding, we're following, and then the question becomes, okay, now where are you taking us, Jesus? So there's both the initial call and then there's the ongoing call over our lives. 
And so the first um, point I want to make out of these verses and, and look at is that Jesus initiates the call. We, we read in these verses that Jesus saw Peter and Andrew and he says, come and follow me. We also read that Jesus saw there, he saw James and John and he called them. So neither Peter, Andrew, James, or John here initiated with Jesus. We see here that Jesus himself was intentional with the disciples. And Jesus is intentional. And he's the one who initiates this call in our lives. Charles Thomas Studd, he was born in England in 1860. In 1878, Charles' father, Edward, became a Christian during a Moody revival meeting. And the entire household came to know Christ, including Charles. By 1882, so he would have been 22, Charles had become an accomplished cricket player and represented England in a famous match against Australia that was the origin of the Ashes series that continue to this day between the two countries. In 1884, Charles' brother George became seriously ill and Charles said he was confronted with the question, what is all the fame and flattery worth when a man comes to face eternity? He admitted that since his conversion to Christ six, six years prior, that he had been in an unhappy backslidden, backslidden state. As a result, Charles said, I know that cricket would not last and honor would not last and nothing in this world would last, but it was worthwhile living for the world to come. One year later, in 1885, Charles Studd entered missions work with Hudson Taylor in China and never looked back. Charles ended up working and pastoring in China, India, and Africa until his death in 1931. Jesus initiated the call in Charles Studd's life, and he made the decision to obey that call and all of its implications for life. So, it has been immensely difficult to contemplate and to make the decision that our family has made. As I, I stated in my letter, this was painful and agonizing. But Jess and I, we believe that Jesus is in this call for this season of our lives. And it involves grief and loss. It, it is that process of having to walk through grief and loss that we face in our lives. It involves many heavy and difficult emotions. This, this was not the way that we ever envisioned leaving LCF. You know, we were talking about this the other night as a leadership team with Ron, and we were talking about how, you know, Jess and I, we've, we've grown up in a church culture in salt and light for, for the majority of our lives and, and for basically all of our adult lives, we've grown up in this church culture that doesn't have high pastoral turnover. Salt and light doesn't embrace sort of stepping stones and that sort of thing. It's, it's, there is a lot of longevity within our local salt and light body of churches when it comes to, to pastors. And so when we came to LCF, we, we really embraced that. that. That was part of how we lived, is that, that we, we had no exit plan. 
There was, we weren't looking to the future and, and how this was going to be this, the stepping to another church or some other thing. It, it was never, never ever like that. But there, there are also seasons in life. And what, what we have walked through the past three years uh, has significantly impacted me. Uh, in, in some ways, I, I've come to see that I, I'm not the same person. Um, there's been some significant soul impact on me. And I, I didn't want this to happen. This, this, was, this was the tension um, of us coming back after our sabbatical last year, is that we, we, we were wrestling with this, and, and part of me still doesn't want this to happen. But I can't ignore what the Lord's been speaking to us. And, well, I could. That would be really dangerous. Um, and I can't ignore what people who've been walking with us for a lot of years have been speaking to us. And so, over a lengthy period of time, um, we, we've come to this conclusion that this change was needed for our family. That, that doesn't negate or diminish the call that God has on my life or on our family. It's, that, that doesn't change the call. When, when I preached this message or the framework of this message 10 years ago, this is, this is what I shared. I've been asked many times how it all came about that Jessica and I felt the call to landmark and the one thing I can say is that the journey is not one of a straight line from A to B, but rather a line that jogs a fair bit with many points in between. When you begin to contemplate the enormity of a decision like we have made to uproot our family and leave a career to pastor in a small town, you process a lot and ask a lot of questions. You know, it feels very similar now. That's what's a bit surreal about all this, is that 10 and a half years on, it feels like we're sort of back in a, a little bit of a similar place, where we're once again facing what feels like major, major daunting life changes. And, and I'm reminded of those words that I spoke and how they're actually still in process. And, and, and yet the call of Jesus remains. And so we have a choice in how we view our time in LCF as, you know, all those things of like, was God really in this? Did we make a mistake? Did we not hear the voice of God? Should we not have come? Uh, right? And the enemy loves to sow those little things in. Like, like, Paul, did you really make the right decision? I, I remember, and I, maybe I've shared this before, I remember when I left the company 10 years, 10 and a half years ago that I left, um, I remember after having shared it and given my notice, and I was talking with one of the guys in another branch who was, had the same position as me, and I was just sharing with him what was happening. And, and I remember him saying to me, wow, Paul, the company had big plans for you. And he was older than me, and I remember at that, it was like that moment where I was like, oh. And... And, you know, and that's where the, Satan, like, he, he, can, he can right there get in. And I've had, to, I've had to, over the years, actually rebuke that and go, no, that, that, no, the Lord was in this. 
Like this wasn't a mistake, right? Because in the natural, you can begin to start to think this was a mistake. So you can view it like that. Or God was at work in the past 10 years and God is at work now in our lives and he's at work now in LCF. Scripture is, is, is full of God calling people from one place into something new. Like, like it, it, is, it is all over Scripture. I mean, we could take the rest of our time here this morning just, just looking at that, where it's just, it's, it's all over Scripture, right? Callings that take us into the unknown and into places of complete trust. Psalm 139 speaks to God's hand on our lives and his goodness. It says there in Psalm 139, you search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. You know, the, the, the beginning of Psalm 23, which I received Psalm 23 years ago, like I said, as it was the psalm that has defined so much of my life. It was spoken over me prophetically, and I knew in that moment that this was the Lord. And it, the beginning of Psalm 23, where it says, the Lord is my shepherd. Just that is profound. Just that verse in these days for me is like, the Lord is my shepherd. Ephesians 2.10. Within the context of God's saving grace for our lives, that's, that's what Ephesians 2 is talking about, right? So within that context, it says there, we are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, I am, I am grateful for these past 10 years. I am grateful for the way that God allowed and gave me opportunity to grow in leadership and, and preaching and on all the stuff that comes with, with leading a church. I, I, have, I have learned a ton that I would never have learned in, in another role. I can also admit that, that aspects of this role, specifically this role, have left me feeling lonely and isolated. And, and I have to be honest, that, that that is part of what I have had to wrestle through, and I think increasingly in the last three years, of going, what is that doing to me? What is that doing to our family? And that's been very difficult. And at other times, I've, I've realized that I miss the marketplace, that, that I, I miss connecting with people in a very different way and living out my faith in that environment in a, in, in a, in a very different context. And I've, and I've missed that. I've thought about that over the years. That's just the tension of church ministry, right? That's the tension of, yes, the church needs leaders and pastors and the church needs people in these roles. 100%. I, would, I will always, always affirm that. But it also limits you in other aspects. That's, that's the tension. And so the last 10 years have 
you know, that part of it is it's provided, it's served to provide me with a lot of perspective and a lot of awareness of myself, which has been good. And, and I share that only to say this. God's calling on our lives is never lifted. It's never revoked. It's not dependent on a particular title or a particular role. The call is to obedience. The call is to faith. The call is to trust. The call is to do good works, which God prepared for us to do. You know, we know from the Gospel of John and the timeline of Jesus' ministry that Andrew and Peter, when, what is accounted here in Matthew 4, that at this point, they had known Jesus for a while already before this. They were disciples of John, and they had spent some time with Jesus during that time while they were disciples of John. And so it, it, it doesn't seem a stretch when you look at the timeline to conclude that they may have wanted already to be disciples of Jesus prior to this, especially given their response to his call you know, where they immediately respond to the call. And we're not given any context for that here in the text. But what we see here is we see them at work. We see them being faithful in their career. They're, they're being faithful as fishermen. They're doing what they're, they're called to do. And they're waiting. They're waiting until this call came. And, and perhaps like us here today, Andrew and Peter... We're wondering in that time, in that season, what is God up to? Are we being faithful and diligent in that season, in this season, as God is at work? And the fact that when Jesus calls us to something, it isn't just for the sake of being called either. And that, that leads us to the next part of this, and that is that Jesus' call gives purpose. In verse 20, we see that as, as Jesus calls Andrew and Peter, he gives them purpose. He says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I will send you out to fish for people. Jesus doesn't tell them, hey, follow me and leave it at that. Even though he could have. He could have probably just left it at that. And I think that they would have just followed him. But he actually, in the moment, gives distinct, intentional focus and purpose to this call. You guys really want to fish? I'm going to really help you fish. And that's, that's it's so interesting, right? That, that Jesus responds to them in the context of what they knew also. That, that's, that's also profound. When Jesus called all four of these guys here to be his disciples, he wasn't just calling them to a different line of work. This, this was a radical life shift. And like I've already shared, that that's what this feels like for us. It, it's a major, major transition for our family. The call of these men was being changed from the temporal catching fish, to the eternal, bringing people into God's kingdom. That wasn't a unique call to them. It might look different, it will look different, but the call to reach others with 
The hope of Jesus applies to every single person who follows Jesus. This is the call that go, is, applies to all of us. Go out into the world and preach the gospel. That, that, that's, the, that's the call that all of us, it's been extended to every single one of us. Matthew 28 is not a call to just a specific group of pastors or leaders or whoever is leading certain ministries. That's not what that call is. That call is go out into all the world is the call is on us. Wherever you are at, that call is on you. To live and to share Jesus where God is calling us to be. And so the, the question then is, oh, that, what, what are you called to? This, this call is, is not just about full-time church ministry versus something else. The point is we all have purpose in Christ to live with authenticity, to live with integrity this life in Christ and to invite others into this life of Christ. So it's not about this side or that side. It's, it's the call. You know, and I, I'm, I'm really thankful because I, I grew up in a church environment again in Salt and Light that actually encouraged me to ask that in every area of my life. It was from, from a really young age, I was encouraged to ask God to direct my steps. And, and I, I think that Jess and I, from a very young age, from the very time that we were newly married, we internalized that in our lives of, okay, God, what do you want to do with us and in us and through us, and where do you want to take us? We, we want to be, we've always, always, always wanted to be intentional and be listening to the Lord. Which is why this is so, so difficult because it's, when, when you begin to hear the voice of God in something like this and you begin to hear how God is calling us into something, you're like, oh, now what are we going to do? But I've taken that very seriously in my life. I believe that it's very, very important because I believe that God has specific purposes in our lives when we're listening. In the summer of 2002, I had returned home early from tree planting. And at that point, uh, it was late July, I think, I had found myself in need of a job, in need of some income. And Jessica and I, we had a wedding planned for that fall. And I was looking to work for a couple months and then the plan was to continue that fall uh, at Providence. And I, I got in touch with an employment agency that my, a friend of mine had, had uh, been working with. And shortly thereafter, uh, almost immediately, they contacted me about this three-week position that was available, a temp position at this company called Chorus Metals. And it turns out that my friend, actually, because he had seniority with this company, he had gotten the offer first but because he didn't have a vehicle and he didn't, he didn't want the, the commute on the bus, he had turned down the three-week position. And so they had come to me and I had a vehicle and I said, yeah, absolutely, I'll take this. And I took that three-week position and while working during those three weeks, I found out that this company was interested in hiring a junior sales uh, rep for the company. And a bunch of different things happened and I was hired a few weeks before our wedding, full-time for this position. 
In fact, when I was hired, I even asked them, I said, uh, can I have two weeks off for my wedding? Because uh, it's in BC and we need to, we're having a honeymoon and, and they, they gave it to me. And uh, that, that embarked me on a 10-year journey, a uh, 10-year career in the metals industry that, that I was in um, until we came to Landmark. And it was during those years in, in that industry that I, I saw the hand of God directing my steps, even sure I was not at times, unsure. I was so unsure about what to do. I remember when I, when I, when I left Chorus and I, and I switched companies and I remember the morning that it happened and, and I, I, I was basically left with a decision at my desk. Was I going to take this offer or was I going to stay with the company who was... And, I won't go into the details, but I remember sitting at my desk and I'm agonizing over what to do. And I remember calling Jess and she said to me, Paul, you know what you have to do. And I said, yeah, you're right. She's like, you know. And, and, it, and it turned out it was absolutely the Lord. That, that whole thing just became so clear to us that it was the Lord in so many aspects and, and there were several instances in those 10 years where, where what happened was just the hand of God leading us. Th- these are the words that I, that I said 10 years ago. I say this because God moves us into many different areas in, in our lives and our vocations. And just because you are not in a ministry position does not mean you are not called by God to be right where you are. Jesus is not just interested in calling people into pastoral or ministry positions. Jesus is committed to establishing his kingdom over all this earth. And that means calling his followers to many different careers where we can operate in our gifts and spread the gospel of Jesus. You know, the essence of those words haven't changed. I believe that. In fact, it's, it's really, it's the heart behind that conviction that has led Jess and I to this point. Now, this, this is not about a pastoral position. This, this or any other position. This is about Jesus' kingdom being established, not only on this earth, but in our hearts. And I think, I think something that was, that was part of a conversation that uh, we had the other night here is also important to mention at this point because I think this is really important for all of us here to really hang on to. And that is, if God is in this decision that we've made and calling us into a different season and out of LCF, then God is just as much with LCF during this time. If God is for our good in this, and I, we believe that he is, then God's equally for LCF's good. He's not just for good on this side and not for good on this side. He's for good. And if he knows that this is where he wants to take us, then he knows that he has something good for LCF on the other side of this. And so, alongside the purpose of Jesus' call, there's another crucial aspect to this, and this is where I want to end this morning. And that is that Jesus' call requires obedience. In verses 20 and 22, we see the phrase there, immediately they left, referring to the response of Andrew, Peter, James, and John. 
when Jesus called them. You know, the, the Greek word for immediately there is eutheos. You know what the word means? Immediately. It just means immediately. <laughs> there's, there's nothing tricky about the word. It means they responded to the call immediately. And that decision by the disciples, that, that challenges me because I, I've not always responded that way in following Jesus. The fact is that the call of God on our lives is dependent on our obedience. And, and yet the testimony is that God is, just pours out grace upon grace upon grace on our lives. I love that promise of 2 Timothy 2.13 where it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. The essence of God, he's faithful. He'd have to deny himself to deny his faithfulness. He simply can't, it's not possible. And that's, it's not an excuse there for us to be faithless. Like, oh, big deal, if I'm faithless, God is faithful so I can just kind of... It's not that. It's speaking there of the depth of God's faithfulness for our good. In fact, in 2 Peter 1.5, it says that we are to make every effort to supplement our faith with virtue. That, that what it means there is to supplement our faith with just the highest of excellent character. And later there in verse 10 of 2 Peter 1, it says that we are to be diligent and in other qualities so that we are sure of our calling in Christ. So the question remains then for each one of us, when the call of Jesus breaks into our lives, how do we respond? When, when we know that Jesus is calling us in something, how do, do we respond with obedience? When Justin and I felt the call to LCF almost 11 years ago now, it, it didn't mean that we didn't wrestle with it then. I, I, I remember the, the struggle that we had back then with the enormity of that decision for our lives. It was, it was back in 2012, so it would have been not much, right around this time, maybe a little bit further in the year, but I was reading an account of Tim Keller's move to New York City, where the God, and, and, and how clearly God spoke to him and his wife about that. And I remember as I was reading it, how God just clearly spoke to me, Paul, you guys are called to landmark. And, and I, like, I just, I remember it was like, I knew it. It was like the Lord has spoken. And it's funny, it was where that story was told was in the very end of a marriage book that we were reading at the time because we were taking Carly and Cody through this marriage book in preparation for their wedding. Like, the Lord is just in things. And so I, I can say this with absolute conviction that this, this, this decision here has been just far more brutal and difficult than the one we made almost 11 years ago. Like, this has been infinitely harder. Um, I, I've, I've, I've wrestled with the implications of this decision to just a far greater extent in my life. Um, 
And, and even in the last couple of weeks, as the enormity of this has hit us and we've had to share with people and walk this out, you know, it feels at this point, I almost feel a little bit robotic because I've had to share it so many times. Um, but I can say that I've sat with this and the, the weight of this on me and, and, the, and the physical even manifestations in my body has been profound as I've wrestled with this. You know, one minute the disciples were casting and mending their fishing nets and the next moment Jesus broke into their lives and they were asked to respond in a way that would forever change their lives. And, and the same is true in our lives. Jesus doesn't mandate anything. He didn't, he didn't mandate it on them. He didn't coerce them. He didn't manipulate them. He didn't try to use force. It was an invitation. Follow me. It's an invitation to respond. But this is the thing. It will involve conviction. One way or the other, when the call of Jesus comes, it has to involve conviction because it is a major decision. So there was conviction in the disciples. Yes, this is where we're going. And maybe, you know, for some of you here this morning, Jesus has broken into your life and you know that you're being faced with decisions in your life when it comes to calling and purpose and all the obedience required. And maybe you're thinking, why does this seem so crucial? Because it is. It is crucial. It's really crucial when the Lord is speaking to us. God bestows us with free will and the ability to make choices, and we can choose whether or not we obey. But I can also say with conviction, every single one of us here today has a call on our lives. Every single one of us. Now, they're, they're all very different in scope, and all that, different specifics, but they all involve the call to love God, the call to love others, and the call to follow and to proclaim the way of Jesus. And Jesus initiates the call. He gives purpose to the call. But that call requires obedience. And, and this, is where, this is before LCF here together as well. There, there is a call for this body. The importance of, of why LCF came to exist and the purposes it has stood for matter. The, the hunger for more of the Holy Spirit, that, 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 that is what birthed this church. And the conviction of the authority and the sufficiency of Scripture, that belief that God moves in his people as they pray and seek his face. All of that, the authenticity of passionate worship that has defined this church for so long. 
the desire for the hope of Jesus to spread in this community and to spread to the nations. I mean, look at all the flags, and, and there's more countries that, that it's, people in this church have been invested in these nations. Every single one of these nations, we've somehow been invested in, and there's, there's even more that could go up. And why? Why? Because if you look at the history of LCF and you look over the years, what is one of the things that's defined LCF? It is a conviction to reach others with the gospel. It, it is part of the fabric and the DNA of this church. And the foundations that this church is built on are solid and trustworthy. You know, I was thinking about that. There, there were some specific prophetic words that were given to us a couple years ago in the church review that had to do with that, with the foundations of this building and how, and how the Lord was building something. That is not dependent on one person. I can be free of that. I don't, I don't have, that, that's not on me or anyone else in a, in a lead role. It, the Lord is in that. And, and I, wanna, I wanna just, I wanna call us back and remind us what the DNA of who LCF is and why this church even came to be because it matters. The reason it does is because we are living in days where almost all of that is being questioned. Almost all of it, all of it. And so what becomes of LCF is, is tied, and, and as it is for all of us, it's tied to the willingness to live in obedience to the call of Jesus and to stand against the deception and the lies of this age that we are in. Remain steadfast. Says in, Jesus says in Matthew, he says, in those days the love of many will grow cold. Don't let your love for Jesus grow cold. Stoke that fire with everything you have. I, I believe that God has much more for LCF. I, I believe that. I believe that there is profound purpose for this body. And I would exhort you to stoke the fire for more of God and more of his presence. Jesus, I, I thank you for who you are. Father, I thank you that you have been with LCF, you have been with us, and you will be with this church in the days to come. Jesus, you are the one who is over all things. You are the head of the church. In you, all things hold together, and we want to come under that. I want to come under you, your rule, and your reign. God, I, I thank you for so many things that you have done 
over these last 10 and a half years. God, I want to thank you for the relationships that you have built, the, the ways that you have so deeply moved in this church. Lord, I want to thank you for the ways that you've partnered with us. I want to thank you for your faithfulness and your goodness. Lord, I am so thankful for the ways that you have moved ways that you've been with us and the ways that you will continue to be with us. You are a faithful God. We sang about it this morning, God, because we believe it and we proclaim it. You are faithful. We thank you for what you are going to do in the days ahead.